Hey, you ready? Hey, grab that right there. <laughs> Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready? Oh. Whole squad ready? Ready? Is you ready? Huh? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Whole squad ready? We came here to see Jet. What's hey, y'all. This is uh, no, Jesse no, Young no, and Mr. Tom Gillies again on the episode two of the Quackback Block Show. Tom, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing really good. Just spent a week out in the wilderness with a family vacation, and I'm feeling uh, refreshed and ready to go. That's great. We all need a break every now and then. <laughs> yeah, uh, my week was pretty consistent of uh, just writing and reading about our Oregon Ducks football program. Evidently, we beat Nevada over the weekend, 77 to six, I believe it was. It was it was a little dicey there in, in the beginning of the game where Justin Herbert was overthrowing a lot of his guys and and our special teams was questionable at best where on the punt return the one of the ball hit one of the gunners that was blocking and so Nevada really got a short field but our defense stepped up really well and held them to a field goal. So at least we have confidence in the defense in those kind of situations. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was uh, about as fluky as a fluke play can get. The ball just took a funny bounce and hit one of our guys. But they didn't panic. They didn't woe as me. They just put their head down and did what they had to do. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, which is a somewhat of a slight departure from years past where one little mistake can you know, derail the whole team confidence-wise. So it's a really nice thing to see where one mistake doesn't define the whole game when they just stepped up to the plate. So what were some of your standouts of the game? A lot of what I really enjoyed watching was after the second team offense came in. As much as I loved Justin Herbert and C.J. Verdell, I thought that Felix did an outstanding job of just coming in and being that quick, elusive guy, whether you're going to hand him the ball on a draw play or throw him off into the screen or as soon as he had the ball, he was he was gone. Uh, an explosiveness I haven't seen really since uh, since DeAnthony Thomas. Yeah, it's a really nice change of pace back to have for Verdell's um, CJ Verdell's power game, so to speak. Yeah, and then uh, it was really really nice to have Jacob Breland back. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I was really impressed by Tyler Shook. Uh, he came in, didn't make any mental errors accuracy could have been a little better but um i mean he went eight for nine for almost 100 yards and two touchdowns that's decent enough even though it was against second stringers there's there are still valuable reps that he needs for next year when he might be taken over for justin herbert so anything anything helps really in his development so I was impressed with him as well because, you know, last year all he did was turn around and hand, hand off the ball like he was an Alabama quarterback way back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I liked seeing Daywood Davis go out and after going from a defensive back to wide receiver for this game and just have really soft hands and know how to run the, the routes really crisp, it's almost like he'd been playing the position all spring. Yeah, on one of the touch, one of the many many touchdowns that the Ducks had, 
David Davis, he, he blocks pretty his block, he blocks his man pretty well. So that that's a good sign because if you don't block, you don't play as a receiver in crystal ball system. So no block, yeah, no block. yeah. <laughs> there was uh, a great variety in our offense. Uh, one touchdown to seven different players. I think that ties a U of O record. <laughs> Yeah, it's it was amazing some of those play calls that Arroyo came out with. Considering the first game against Auburn, there it was basically straight, you know, pistol and shotgun, and there was no variation within the formations. And in this game, there was a lot of variations, like the men in motion and people going out on routes. It was it was amazing to see all that, given Arroyo's track record in the past. So. I think it bodes well for the future. It was it was nice to see some of these names that we've heard about all spring and uh, even during the recruiting cycle come out and get some uh, some good showing time to see what we what they could do. Um, uh, Sean Dollars coming out and getting some some good reps uh, that was kind of fun to see. Brady Aiello, uh, I heard about him him transferring from the offensive line to tight end and he had his uh, his first touchdown catch as a uh, receiver and everybody seemed to really get behind him and and celebrate uh, like they had just won the game. Yeah, fat guy touchdowns are always awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he he looks it looks like he slimmed down a little bit to fit the position. He had to slim down a little bit to fit the jersey. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of true freshman, um, the true freshman linebacker slash edge rusher Masefuna. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He had a monster game. Uh, well, at least two sacks. Mace Funa. Yeah, two sacks. Yeah, Mace. Three tackles for loss. Um, uh, watching the the young guys up front um, between uh, Funa and Holland and KT was just incredible. Kayvon Thibodeau, he didn't show up a lot on the stat sheet, but he was all over that backfield. They were, they were fast. They were big. It was really fun to watch, those, those big guys up front. Yeah, Thibodeau, he made the biggest impact on that punt block where he just uh, ran into the punter and just knocked the ball loose. I really feel like that was where we just started playing with a little bit more um, confidence. After the, the slow start, we, we got up a little bit, but we felt like we were playing with a little hesitancy. Um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until, until that play that, it just kind of blew everything out of the water. It's just Herbert. It's um, I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore about him. He, I think he is what he is at this point. It's just he needs to get mentally stronger. I believe the way he started the game off was like, "What are you doing?" It's not like you know you're playing Alabama or somebody big. You know, calm down a little bit and get in the game. But you know, it, it happened. It happened. Um, yeah. I think that he might have uh, been a little psyched out by the, the caliber of opponent. But he did end up uh, winning the uh, the quarterback of the week last week in Division One. So apparently he impressed. Yeah, the uh, I think it was a Manning Award, I believe. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, the yeah. the weekly Manning Award goes to the best quarterback. Yeah, evidently that's not Tua's award every week. So there are other quarterbacks, believe it or not. <laughs> I think it's safe to say he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. My last note here is Diamador Lenore seemed to be everywhere. Yeah, um, he was. <laughs> his, his, I heard his name probably more often than anybody else on defense. And the more yeah. I watch him play, just the more fun uh, I think he is. Watching him 
and uh, Javon Holland is a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Lenore has a pretty good shot at being drafted if he goes pro after this season. As Ducks fans, we don't want him to leave, but you know, if he continues his play, I think he has a real good shot at being drafted. Yeah, I think the big play, the biggest play of the game was um, when that long touchdown to uh, Jacob Breland that went for 60-plus yards. I think that was a backbreaker for Nevada because otherwise they were they were keeping themselves in the game for the most part. But after that, it was pretty much over. Nevada like really sold out on the run in this game last week for some reason. I guess they didn't respect the passing game for Oregon, or they just completely respected the run game. They they didn't line up against man to man. They just played a lot of zone. I believe uh, there was a lot of triple teams and double teams on one single receiver that left a lot of receivers open for Herbert to throw to. Well, I believe that's that's kind of their defense is yeah. the don't give up the run or the short pass. And if you're going to beat us, it'll be the low percentage uh, long passes down the field. Yeah. Um, it was fun to see um, Gabe Sewell come away with like five sacks or five uh, tackles. He was yeah. – <laughs> Much more, much larger part of the the defense than I thought he was going. Yeah, I, I read that he was one of the worst linebackers on the team. But well, given the state of their defense, he might be their best. <laughs> so we'll have to keep track of that going forward, I guess. <laughs> so what do you think of that trick play Nevada tried to run that short eye blew up? That was kind of a weird swing gate type of formation they tried to run. I was like, what are you guys doing? It's it's funny you call it a trick play. I was just I I just know it as a double reverse. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was clever. It was creative. It was timely. If it would have worked, it would have uh, really energized them and brought the momentum a little bit back into Nevada's favor. And I think that Dye did an amazing job of of sniffing it out and going in for the attack. I really like DeRoy's play calling in this game. It's a fast improvement. The route designs were very on point. It was really nice because normally he plays it straight. I was like, this is different. It was interesting to see the different uh, sets and formations. And uh, again, like there was a lot of names that I had recognized uh, out on the field, but I'd never actually seen play. And so that was a lot of fun to see the different formations and them be a little bit more polished than they were last week. I think Arroyo lived up to his word. The over last week he was like oh I should have been more aggressive and trusting in my receivers yeah, I think he lived up to that because they didn't lay off one bit until it, the end of the game they they ran the full offense through, through Tyler Shuck which was a surprise because normally they just you know lay off after going up by so much I guess they learned their lesson finally yeah, DJ Johnson was very effective in this game. Oh, the uh, the transfer from Miami. Yeah. Yeah, seven tackles and a sack. Yeah, nice to see him uh, him out there. I was really excited when I heard he was transferring to Oregon. He kind of got lost in the shuffle with the big recruiting class news that um, I'd kind of forgotten about him until I saw him this game. I said, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> it was a really well played game on Oregon's side. So we'll see about this week, this coming week against Montana, but we'll go into further detail later on in the show. So did you manage to catch any of the other big conference games last weekend? The uh, the big one for me was the Cal-Washington game. I'll admit that I didn't watch it in its entirety. Uh, <laughs> the two and a half hour rain delay 
Yeah, the tweets on the, the stadium, the power that got knocked out was amazing. I mean, the nature nature is really scary once you think about it. <laughs> so after the two-and-a-half-hour rain delay, it ended at about 4.30 a.m. Eastern time. You can't get really any more uh, Pac-12 after dark uh, than that. I figure they're going to move it to the 1 o'clock NFL kickoff times if it went <laughs> any further. <laughs> I mean, I was at the Cal soon uh, when it rained 10 inches during the game and turned Austin Stadium into uh, into a water feature. And just something about <laughs> University of California, that when they come to town, they bring a whole bunch of weather with them. Normally, that region of the country doesn't get like those kind of storms normally. It's just Cal must have the weather gods alongside with them. <laughs> you know, the one thing I noticed from that game, besides the really, really late or early in time, depending on your worldview, is that Washington struggled against a really good defense, and Jacob Eason wasn't, didn't live up to the hype, I guess, because yeah, Cal frustrated look, him a lot. He didn't look very good at all. Yeah. He looked confused and scared at times. Did not look like the Jacob Eason I remember watching at Georgia. And Cal isn't the greatest defense, but they have a semi-decent defense for the conference so they didn't do too much like offbeat or anything they just played him straight and he he got shook for some reason or another i think his stat line was 18 of 30 for 162 and one interception um he had a pretty good first half but it wasn't until they punted huh? with the middle of the fourth quarter that i thought they've they've just given up in this game it was late they already had given everything they had and just couldn't give anymore the clock management by Chris Peterson at the end was really, really brutal. I was like, what are you doing calling timeouts and wasting clock like that when you need the when you need, you know, all that time to come back? And I don't think he's the coach that everyone hypes him hypes him up to be. Also, the Oregon State and Hawaii game came on around around the same time, but it ended way earlier. But they had some points, but they didn't finish for some reason, and Hawaii came back on them in the second half. I was like, okay, Oregon State, what are you guys doing? Are you guys just, you know, happy to be here, or are you just done, or what's going on? And I don't know, Hawaii may be the 13th member of the Pac-12 pretty soon if we're not careful. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely gearing up for it. They played, yeah. played three of them this year. I actually really liked what I saw from the Beavers. I thought that they looked better this week than they did last week. Like That's not saying much, but it's saying something. They were in it up until the fourth quarter. Yeah, apparently their offense stopped working. <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching that in the Washington game. The Oregon State game was on Facebook, so that was weird. So looking for it, I was like, well, where is it? Where is it? And then I realized it was on Facebook. So that's that's a little different media platform. I mean, knowing the Pac-12 as much as we do, that's probably another media platform that they'll probably invest in in a couple of years, full force. Hawaii struck a deal with Facebook for this year, I believe. I don't know if they did in the past, but this year I noticed that they were on Facebook the whole year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's they're being gimmicky or if they're ahead of their game. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just move on to the next Pac-12 game. Uh, Stanford versus USC was pretty decent until USC ran away with it, which I think it was a the theme of this conference this past weekend. The freshman guy, Slovis, he looked pretty good for the Trojans, given it was his very first start. 
against a pretty decent team in Stanford. I was really yeah. impressed. Like I, I knew that he was going to look good, but I didn't know he was going to look that good. Yeah, kind of the battle of the backups this weekend with Slovis and Mills. I think Mills was actually the the number one quarterback recruit in his class. So I kind of expected a little bit more from him. Uh, it was back and forth for a, for a good section of the game. USC controlled the the first quarter. Stanford started taking over until about half, and then USC just said, "Nope, we got this." And took off. Do you think JT Daniels wins his job back, or is Slovis nailing the job down for him? I think Slovis has it. I really do. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, JT Daniels' name in the transfer portal sometime soon. Or maybe he takes the the Jalen Hurts route and sticks with the team because he knows they're going to be a winning team. And moving on to our next Pac-12 game is Nebraska versus Colorado. Our old friend Scott Frost took one on the chin against Colorado late. It was a really great game going back and forth. Frost got out coach in that game. For me, that was the the tale of two games. And it came down to, it went into overtime and Colorado kicked a field goal to win it. So it was literally anybody's game at the end. Yeah. Have you seen the pictures of that game? Because uh, one of the, well, several of the pictures I've seen on Twitter and that unknowing observer would think it was a home game from Nebraska because all those, all that red in Colorado Stadium. I was like, okay, they, they travel well. <laughs> It was a big-time rivalry game back in the day, so I guess it was a good game to travel to for them. Yeah, and they are uh, they're surprisingly close together. Like, I would think that, yeah. that Nebraska being kind of mentally in the Midwest and Colorado kind of being mentally on the West Coast-ish, that when I see Nebraska playing Colorado, I see, oh, wow, that's, uh, that's quite a distance to travel. But when I mean, you actually look at the map, they're not that far apart. I think uh, Steven Montez could be one of the better quarterbacks in this conference when it's all said and done. So we'll see how Colorado fares later on down the road. Hopefully they do well. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him in the uh, in the Pac-12 championship game. Because Mel Tucker is a pretty good coach. He just needs his own guys. He's doing an excellent job of running his offense with the guys that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that 97-yard flea flicker. That, yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I said, why, why would anybody run this? The yeah. running back pitched the ball back to the quarterback standing in the end zone. Thought, why did that work? <laughs> yeah, and I guess expect the unexpected. <laughs> so I think the conference had a good weekend overall. So what other big big week two games did you have your eye on? You know, there, there weren't a whole lot. Uh, I followed the Michigan Army game. Uh, I was not impressed with Michigan, uh, especially yeah. after what Army did the week before. There were a couple of plays that if they would have had just a little bit more luck in Army's favor, uh, they could have really blown out the game. There was- yeah, that uh, that pass on, um, when Michigan picked it off, I think that was a turning point. I was like, uh, what are you doing? That took a uh, what would have been a 21-7 game and made it 14-14. Mm. Yeah, I, I I agree. That was been the wake up call for Michigan to say, okay, like we we need to get back into this. And it's still, it still mm-hmm. seems to struggle a little bit with that at times. Let's see. Tennessee lost to BYU. The Mormon Manzel just looked calm and collected, and Tennessee looked frazzled and worn out at the uh, the end of the game. And 
the cooler heads prevailed and Tennessee's uh, digging itself into a little bit of a hole. Uh, I think they've got a, a really rough schedule after they play uh, Chattanooga this week. They're just going to be, wins are going to be hard to come by even without the, uh, the second guessing the head coaching decisions every step of the way. Yeah. I don't think Pruitt lasts off the season if this keeps up. I would be surprised if he did. Uh, the Texas LSU game did not disappoint. Um, Joe Burrow was really good. Um, yeah, he he was surprising. He showed the ability to make every kind of throw that he needed to make. They just looked incredibly polished. They they looked like the second best team in the SEC last week. I had them maybe a third or fourth at the beginning of the season. Three LSU re- receivers, more than 100 yards each. So I guess Texas isn't DBU anymore. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, that was a really good game from start to finish. The look on Matthew McConaughey's face at the end—that was really funny when they scored the uh, the the game-ending touchdown. I was, yeah, I thought they were gonna you know kneel it out, but they they just went for it. This is not all right, all right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Texas might may not be back as as we soon as we thought. <laughs> Another game that was really exciting was uh, the Miami UNC game. Miami losing the game in heartbreaking fashion. Do you think that this means that the Mac Brown era has begun again at UNC? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Coastal is the division is wide open for somebody to take it. And uh, I think Mac Brown has enough uh, dancing tape to audition for Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the one early game I was interested in before it got really ugly was Vanderbilt and Purdue because Purdue has this receiver, Rondo Moore, and he's he's a Blitnikoff finalist, and he should be a contender for that award this year. And Purdue is really, really well coached. He had 220 receiving yards and was just all over the place. He was, <laughs> he was pass blocking. He was run blocking. It was great watching him. Yeah, it's too bad he has one more year left. Otherwise, he'd be highly drafted in 2020. We'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsors on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Yeah, in our weekly uh, What is Willie Doing segment (laughs) of this show, (laughs) Florida State almost lost to Louisiana Monroe. I don't know. I don't know what Willie's doing. It's definitely something not good, I'll tell you that. (laughs) They are lucky to have Cam Akers. Everything that that offense does was because of Cam Akers. James Blackman had, he went 30 for 40 for 282 and three touchdowns, but I don't think he had a throw that was more than six yards downfield. Everything was just was screen passes, screen passes, crossing routes, screen passes. Didn't push the ball down the field in the air. Didn't have a lot of the explosive plays that we did see happen against Boise State. And if they can't get those those big plays, those high yardage plays going, then they're going to have a really hard time. Previewing the week three games, or week four if you're still on week zero, <laughs> uh, at Florida State plays Virginia, so that's going to be really tough for them because Virginia has a lot of athletes on defense that, could, uh, that can stop their offense. Yeah, Virginia is... Uh one of those sneaky under the radar teams this year. I really liked Bron- Bronco Mendenhall when he was at BYU with that program and having success at a, a second or third option program in his region um, has been incredible. It shows the level of commitment and determination that he has to not only 
have success at Virginia, but then to stay there and see it through. They're a surprise team this year, I think. Yeah, another game I think us Pac-12 fans will be watching is Washington State against Houston. That could be a good game between two high-powered offenses. I agree. Uh, I believe the uh, last I checked, the over/under on that game was 73 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if 100 points were scored in this game. I really like Houston's quarterback, Jared King. He reminds me of a smaller Lamar Jackson coming out of college, and he needs to work on his passing game a bit more. He's a really good runner. In Washington State, they you know they always turn out quarterbacks every year. One leaves, one enters, and with little drop off, it's amazing what they do up there at the Palouse. It's gonna be fun to watch two air raid systems go at it. Yeah, another game we uh, Duck fans must be looking forward to is um, Stanford against Central Florida. I think Central Florida has a shot, especially after. The Walker Little news came out where he was done for the year with a knee injury, and his replacement's a true freshman, I believe, so Oregon will be studying that tape very closely. Losing Walker Little was huge, and if this were a couple of weeks ago, I would say, yes, absolutely, UCF has a, a tremendous shot. But what I, I was really impressed with Stanford this last week was their their pass defense, their defensive secondary. They have they have guys that are that are big and fast, and so I can see Stanford actually becoming a much better team as the year goes on. Once they get uh, consistency on their position players, and they're not constantly losing key players to injury, they have the guys that can come in and can get the job done. A lot of people think that Stanford is kind of in this uh, this stagnation of talent where they're not really getting any better, uh, while other people are getting better around them. I, I think it's a bit early right now to, to make that assumption. UCF is kind of the darling dark horse of the, the last couple of years, but especially with the KJ Castello coming back and the rest of the Stanford line is uh, up to par. They'll make it a good make it a good game. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, UCF will provide a pretty good test for Stanford before they have to play Oregon. So it's a good tune-up game for Stanford. Yeah, another game I'll, I'll be possibly looking at is uh, Oklahoma and UCLA just to see how how badly Oklahoma beats the Bruins. It's it's kind of it's bittersweet to watch Chip Kelly lose as poorly as he is. There's a, a part of me that really wants to that wants to see Chip succeed, and I see what he's trying to do at UCLA. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's he's either behind the times or ahead of the times in his hybrid flex tight end H back system he has going on. I don't know if that's going to be on the the docket for my viewing pleasure this, this, uh, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Also another game I'm really looking forward to is uh, TCU and Purdue for uh, another viewing of Rondo Moore and TCU has a really, really good receiver named Jalen Rager. He's really fast. Reportedly he's like in the four twos in the forties. That should be an interesting matchup to see those two go at it. That's fast. Yeah. Uh, what else are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, I think that was pretty much it. I mean, it's kind of a slow weekend where all the big powers play the little, you know, the little programs and getting their uh, smaller out-of-conference games out the way before they begin conference play. So I think it'll be a pretty good, pretty good slow weekend for us fans to watch until our game at 10:45 Eastern. Um, I like the the Texas Tech Arizona game that kind of comes up right before ours. That's that would be really fun to watch. 
just watching Texas Tech fly all over the field against Arizona. I'll probably end up watching a lot of the Florida State-Virginia game just because I want to see Virginia succeed and I want to have a good What's Willie Doing section next week. In addition to our What's Willie Doing segment, uh, our, the Oregon's former defensive coordinator, Kim Levitt, actually joined Florida State as an analyst. I don't know if that'll work out for him, but hopefully it works out for him because Oregon's defense under Levitt improved a ton compared to the other past coordinators. Yeah, I feel bad the way it ended, but, you know, I think he just had to move on for his own sake and Mario Cristobal's sake because those two weren't going to stick together for, for the long haul. They seem to like each other and work well together. Hard to see it going ending poorly. You know, Jim Levitt being, like, the reason we got him was because he was just an amazing defensive mastermind. He and he and Willie Tiger got along really well. Um, he yeah. unfortunately didn't fit a lot of what Oregon was trying to do as uh, at the time under Cristobal, so he, he left. Uh, it's encouraging for Florida State fans to see him come on board. Because the current defense quarter they have right now is um, it's not the best in the world, shall we say. <laughs> and fans are already calling for a shock. I'm not ready to go there yet. But Florida State defense needs help, needs some help in a big way. I don't think most I don't think most Oregon fans have much sympathy for Mr. Willie. <laughs> no, not at all. As a kid, yes, they shouldn't. Also, the Oregon lost a couple of kickers recently. Um, Zach Emerson got arrested, and then Adam Sack decided to transfer within the past couple of days. Oregon has to rely on a true freshman. You know how college kickers go, so we'll see about special teams. <laughs> you know, I when I saw that that news, I was surprised to see um, Stack in the in the portal. He was a fantastic fit at Oregon. Um, he was doing really good. I didn't think that Camden Lewis did enough to take over the starting job, but apparently Stack felt that way. But after seeing him kick the last couple of games, I, I think we'll, we'll be fine. It's sad to see him go. We hate to lose players, uh, whether by entering the transfer portal or getting arrested. But I, yeah, I think as far as the kicking duties go, uh, Camden Lewis is, is fine. So what what were your thoughts on the um, on the Montana game coming up Saturday in the evening? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how long all of our starters are in the game. I mean, I don't want a, a victory here, a foregone conclusion, but uh, I think that Nevada was uh, as a, a better team than Montana, and we ran up and down the field at Nevada. It's going to be interesting to see what the coaching staff does with the starters, whether they leave them in to give them uh, more experience, or mm -hmm. if they'll actually keep them out and protect them or give them rest and make sure that they're fresh for our conference opener. I think it'll be fairly close for at least a quarter, maybe two, because Montana has this uh, really good quarterback named Dalton Sneed. He's like the really poor man's version, SCS version of uh, Gardner Minshew. So, and also they have a big receiver named. I think his name is Samuel Ackham. Yeah, and he's six four and two hundred one, so he's gonna be he's gonna be a big weapon for them. So our secondary needs to be on point, like they have been covering him. It's gonna be interesting for at least a quarter or two until Oregon, you know, gets their gets their you know what together. They do have playmakers all over the field. Don't get me wrong; yeah. they're perennially at the top of the Big Sky Conference each year, and they're always in the playoff. They score a lot of points, but they are a, a Division One AA team. Yeah, 
I think it'll be close. It, it's for a quarter or two, and it's going to be a blowout the rest of the way. And the starters will get at least until halftime, maybe a series into the third quarter. Like it's the third preseason game of the NFL. We should expect to see Tyler Shuck a lot in this game. Yeah, I hope so. And so that wraps up our Oregon preview. But also there's uh, across the national landscape, I noticed a couple of things funny things that popped up on the Twitter feed this past week, like Akron's uh, turnover pencil. They have a turnover prop, and it's a number big number two pencil. <laughs> I found that really funny. I've seen turnover thrones. I've seen turnover helmets, turnover crowns. Yeah, the pencil is an interesting thing, <laughs> interesting concept they came up with, but I haven't heard the explanation myself, so... <laughs> It's something to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> so, in really sad and unfortunate news, Oklahoma State's um, big donor, T. Boone Pickens, recently passed away. At, like I think he was like 91 or 92. So, that's really sad for the Cowboys in more ways than one. Yeah, I don't really know much about T. Boone, to be honest. Yeah, and he was a, I think he was, I read online that he was an oil man that made his money through oil, like most Texans. <laughs> It's a sad time for for Cowboy fans everywhere. I mean, ninety one is a full life, given what he what he did. It's our condolences go out to the Cowboys everywhere. Rest in peace, Mr. Pickens. I wonder how that affects um, Oklahoma State's finances. If there's like a will that you know donates him donates his money to the school, or you know, that's for later on, I guess. Uh, it's just a mourning period, so. We'll see down the road. I'm certain that doesn't have an immediate effect, but I'm sure that we'll hear something about it coming up. Yeah, it puts into perspective what Uncle Phil does for our school. Yeah. So do you have any closing thoughts for our show? Well, to kind of cross over the, uh, the plane a little bit, Eugene being track town, I feel like it's, uh, it's relative news when big track news happens. It was recently announced that Vin Lanana is leaving the Eugene area and going taking the head coaching position at University of Virginia. He's been recently leading the Track Town USA movement in Eugene and just missed working with the athletes and, and helping the students and building a program. And so I want to wish him uh, best of luck. And I'll be following the Virginia track and field program now. Yeah, as well, we wish him well. and He was instrumental in, in yeah. bringing those larger events to Hayward Field, whether it was the Pac-12 championships or the NCAA championships or the upcoming world championships. Vin was instrumental part, the driving force behind getting all those events in Eugene. Yeah, I guess the coaching bug still bites every now and then. Good luck, Mr. Vin, and we wish him well. <laughs> Yeah, my closing thoughts are that uh, we I pray that the Ducks come out healthy in this, this game so we can face Stanford with a full squad. Yeah, I believe that wraps up the second episode of the Quackback Block Show. I'd like to thank, for, thank everyone for listening and putting up with us. And um, we we hope you guys listen and rate, rate us on the various podcast websites. And please give us a five-star review because we really need it. Thank you, everyone, and go Ducks. Good up.